Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is Eldrum, a male Asmar warlock with his pixie familiar Sill. Then there's Morden Kell, a male elven rogue slash monk, and his brother Ventus, a male drow rogue. And of course you know Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard. And now I'm pleased to introduce Saber, a binary gear-forged paladin whose soul gem is hidden behind his asshatch. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e ruleset and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast, that's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. In this episode, the recapitulation continues and we find our companions in the refugee camp, Ocelot Tent 5. They are under house arrest, together with Mistress Hannah, Rahid, and Daryl the Kobold. An invitation to the Pallid Court Ball arrives. Mistress Hannah reveals her employer is the Princess Karima. The were-rat Rahid is fed up with this city of cats. Ventus and Morden desperately want to find and join the Crimson Paw. Now why would five blokes enter a small change room together? Elbrum gets weak at the knees when he meets the Princess Karima. Will the party show the Grimalkan eye to the princess? How does the princess know of the dogs of Bastet, and why does Abdul Haq kill her ex-lovers? The warehouse where Calidus found his Vrilstone was owned by the man who killed Asher's parents, the Black Sultan. What does the scholar Zubier know about the Grimalkan Eye. How do you enter a private, family-only funeral? What happens when Calidus is the last one standing, Vrillstone in hand? Introduce Saber, the gear-forged, waiting outside a mortuary. Why do the companions hide Sweet Hasna inside a coffin with a corpse? What is this growling sanctuary? And what is the issue that awakens Elbrum in the dead of the night? Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Yes, so you're at your, at your home. An invitation arrives to go to the pallet court, mm. to go to a ball. And of course, you guys are all excited about that. And uh, again, the role-playing was... I've got nothing to wear! Here it is. Calidus tells Munya to shut up. <laughs> he tells her to shut up her sobbing. Yeah. Enough with the sobbing.
while you guys are there, you guys, I mean, you even though you're in your tent, you have your watches and stuff like this, and at one point during the night, the, the guards leave, and you guys are chatting with Rahid. The, the, the thieves are trying to set something up with him, and at this point, I think they finally realize that Rahid is really of no value to them. So eventually, at this point, he you guys go to, I think this was the first time you guys visited the Crimson Nib Nibblers and ordered the special. Because you guys left, this is... you left Rahid and he was going to go back to his home. Because he, I think he, if I remember correctly, he said that he came from the city of Luxon or probably one of the cities north of that. Can't quite remember. But he wasn't, he, he was a lone were-rat in the city of Cats. And he was just tired of being shit on all the time. So he says, no, I'm not sticking around. I'm not going to set up some kind of a, well, I think at one point you guys were saying, well, we'll, we'll set up, we'll take over Festering Heth's place and become a fence. Mm. And we'll take over Hakan's place and we'll run Hakan's camel business. And we're going to be these successful entrepreneurs. But Rahid was like, no, I'm, I'm heading home. I'm going to go visit my family. So basically you guys took him for breakfast and the guards are gone the invitation for the pallet court arrived to go to the ball. So you guys are going to head out and you take him for one final breakfast and then he's off. And at some point you guys are having a conversation and you let certain things slip. And then Mistress Henna at some point was just like, you know what? You guys need to see meet my employer. So you find out that although Mistress Henna did not have the 100 gold to pay you, that she was in fact working for someone else. And so at this point, with the ga- with the arrival of the ghast and the talk of the sisters, I think this was the, the trigger where she was like, okay, time for you guys to go meet the Princess Karima. So she wanted to take you guys to meet the Princess Karima, and you guys needed to stop and buy some gear because you wanted to be set yourselves up for the pallet court. I think at this point, too, is this was kind of like the shopping episode because I think this is where you guys had found, the, the elves had found some studded armor, and they wanted to, they needed to get it resized so that it would fit them. And you guys arrived at an armor store and they wanted to use you guys to market their name. And they also wanted to use you guys to slander their competitors. And you guys, you didn't do that. But I think you did choose to, in order to get the, the studded armor that you found resized, you were getting the their logo, the store's logo put onto it. And they would deliver the armor, or you could pick it up the next day, or something like this. And they would be they'd be ready for you. The this is where you also did the episode where the five of you guys went into a change room to have a discussion, so that Mistress Henna, who was with you at this time, because she's taking you to the Princess Karima, and you guys needed to have a conversation away from her ears. So when you're at the store, this was the store where you guys bought your dark weave clothes and your glamour weave clothes. So you need to have a conversation. So you're like, excuse me, Mr. Senna, we're just going to go into the change room here together to try these clothes on. And she's just like scratching her head as five blokes wander into a change room. None of this is familiar to Mick. He's lost. He's looking at these notes and going, oh, got none of this. Well, you know what? What we could do. I know it's there. No, no, it's just out of order. Yeah. I should have printed it with page numbers on it. So what happens, you guys do go to the Princess, eventually you guys get to the Princess Karima. But the invitation to the ball is for at the end of the week, and it's the beginning of the week. It's just like, I think it's like Tuesday for you guys, because uh, Monday was when 
you met the Mistress Hena, or maybe, no, sorry, it was not not this. You guys met Mistress Hena on Monday, and on Tuesday was when the Hakan stuff happened. So it must have been Wednesday. I I can't remember the timing, but anyways, ways it was only a few days, and you're off to meet the Princess Karima, and of course she's this interesting looking knoll who's not like most knolls mm. and this is where morden who has a passionate hatred for knolls so he's he's he says a lot of discriminatory racist comments or stuff like this and he's from Faerun. in Faerun, the knolls are just evil you just fight with them you don't have conversations with them so he's trying to get past this and you guys meet with princess karima and henna is clearly friends with them you guys have start having dialogues and from those dialogues, you learn the story of the Grimalkanai, in which point you give the Grimalkanai to the Princess Karima. At which point, she says that she had heard of a another thief who had been river of sand diving and had found something. And he, had, he is the person who retrieved the Grimalkanai, but later he died and the eye floated to the pit of the river of sand where Rahid found it. And she says, she lets you guys know that there's another piece to this and she wants to employ you guys to find this. And this is where you guys start negotiating and things like this. You want a home outside of the refugee camp and you want to get set up and established. And so you negotiate with her to, to do some of these things and what are you going to get paid and whatnot. And she tells you the story and tries to work on your good nature to do good. And ultimately she lets you know that she employed a friend of hers, a scholar, to do some more researching about this Grimalkan eye to find out more about it. And she hasn't seen him in a day, and she wants you guys to help locate him. So she tells you that he usually is at the university or, or his home. At one point, too, during the conversation, you guys also, it leads to the a conversation about Abdul Haq as well, who is the so-called leader of the Dogs of Bastet. So you guys had three places you could go. You could go to the university, to the scholar's home, or visit Abdul Haq. And I, I forget what it was, what part of the conversation led to talking about Abdul Haq and the dogs of Bestet. I think it was something that you guys had learned via talking to either Rahid or Hakan. You'd learned about the dogs, and it just came up in conversation. I, I don't know if it was Asher who brought it up or if it was the elves. It's still not clear at this point in time the difference between the Crimson Paw and the Dogs of Bastet. No. 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 Not even to, to this this point in time. You guys haven't figured that stuff out. Mm. But she mentions that Abdul Haq is the, the so-called leader and he's been hounding her and that he's killed some of her ex-lovers. Is that common knowledge, the Dogs of Bastet and the Crimson Paw? No. At one point, you guys do learn that the dogs tend to be like these gang members that go around and... Hey, we'll protect you. You pay us, we'll protect you. It'll be your, your protection service. So yeah. we'll come around every month and ex you pay us for being your protection. We'll keep the other gangs off and whatnot. So they're a racket. And at this point too, you guys actually talk about the Vrillstone as well. And this is where you this is where you actually learn about the Black Sultan. Because she lets you know that the warehouse where Rahid had been staying because you guys, you guys are telling her the story of everything that you learned. And so when you tell her about the warehouse, at that point she indicates that that warehouse years ago had been owned by the Black Sultan. Okay. And he'd been kicked out of Purbastet, she believed, by the Crimson Paw 
for unsanctioned smuggling. Mm. At which point, it's like mid-morning, you're going to go look for her friend, the scholar. I think this is one of those points where I had asked you like at the end of session, where are you guys going to go to help me prepare for the next thing? Mm. And I think you guys had said, yeah, we're going to go to the library. And then when we started the session, yeah, we're going to go to his house. And I was like, oh, fudge. <laughs> he tried to catch me unaware. So I had a bit of notes. And so I had you guys, you guys arrived at his place. It was like one of those homes that are all side by side by side, those narrow townhouses that are tall. You guys went in, you found some evidence that he was trying to collect some adventuring gear and order like some rope, some pittens and stuff like this. You found a list in his house. You found a book in his house that he was going to go and do some stuff. And as you exited his house, you guys were, and you did some really good rolls at stealth to pick the lock and get into his house unobserved. But as you were exiting, you encounter a woman who sees you exiting his, her house and she's all in tears because the scholar's body has been found at the river of sand and he's dead. So at which point you guys realize, oh shit, he's dead. She tells you that his body is currently at this mortuary. You guys go to the mortuary and one of you, oh, who was it? Was it you that went up there and found out that his body was going to be cremated that evening? No, someone did. It might have been Ventus. He tends to be the one. But he was going to be cremated and you learned that in order to see the body, you needed to have papers. This was then, you guys went to the library in order to de decipher what he had said in the book, as well as Calidus, you and Mr. Senna went on to the main cathedral for the cathedral mm. of Vestet, because that was where you could get, Henna knew that you could get some forged papers done there, and, and this would cost you like 100 gold or something like this. And yeah. so you guys got some papers that declared that you were the brother of the scholar. So mm. this would get you through the front door to be able to see the body. And you needed to find the body because you knew that there might be some, oh, you got in touch with Karima, told her about the body. She was like, we need to get the body so that we can do a speak with the dead, but we have to do it before evening because two things can happen. They cremate the body or he'll come back as the loyal dead. So you had to do a speak with the dead before that happened. And that's why you guys had to get the body. And that's why you went to the library to try to figure out, find out more about what he knew, what he was doing. Because again, you're on the quest for Princess Karima to find more about the Grimalk and I. And so you went to the cathedral with Mistress Henna. The other guys stayed with Karima at the library trying to decipher the book. And you got a bit more information about the book. And you also, well, ultimately, no. This got to the point where it was the mortuary encounter is what it came down to. Yeah. Is you went into there, you met the Sultan Shukri who ran the mortuary. And as it happened, he was the brother or the cousin of Hakan who you murdered. Yeah. So Mistress Hannah was like, okay, I can't be around. She was kind of infamous. Princess Karima was infamous. So neither of them could help you out in this scenario. This is all on you guys. So you had the documents, you went in there, you had a plan. I think you purchased a coffin as well as part of the plan. Yep. You got through the front doors, He gave you gave him the papers, he told you to wait, and you're in this curtained off area. <laughs> yeah. He went, he 
left the curtained off area to go down because he had a couple of his old buddies down there. And at which point, I think Ventus was inside the coffin. And so you guys are like, okay, we need to sneak. And so you guys lowered him down through the, the curtains. And the he curtains. turns around, and it's a wide open area. <laughs> so he's been lowered into the middle of a basketball court, yes. Yes. And trying so, not to be seen. Trying not to be seen, he turns around, and the guys are just watching as you guys lower him down. And they're like, what the hell? And yeah. so then he just commences a whole crap load of buffoonery to try to prevent. Yeah. But it, it got to the point where his buffoonery was, I want to try to injure this guy, but make like it was an accident. And it got to the point where eventually an encounter started and the fight yeah. ensued. At one point, you guys were doing this and hadn't progressed to the fight when some other people arrived who were also saying, hey... <laughs> We are here to collect the body. I'm the sister of... The sister, yes. So we have the brother and the sister. Yeah, from a bloke that's got no siblings. Yep. So eventually a battle ensues. At one point, you guys are battling. The other person, they're trying to get the body. They almost get the body, and everything goes like this, and all of a sudden the sultan casts a fireball, and every one of you is dead, except for you. Except for me. And you try to use your cold spell as well and the real stone almost kills you when you realize okay i need to try to heal one of my companions so you managed to it was a it was it was it, it was did not this, go, it, it wasn't didn't go according to plan it was almost a tpk and it was only because when the sultan sent his fireball out it hit the other lady and one of her companions so they were upset and so they got fully involved with the battle instead of just taking off with the body so it gave you enough time because you were you were like barely alive after nearly your little Vrillstone yeah. cold spell move. And you healed up Elbrum. Elbrum managed to drag another one. So you, eventually everybody was conscious again. And ultimately you won the battle. And ultimately before these other two could take the body away, you managed through some ridiculous sleight of hand falling on top of the body and all this other shenanigans, you managed to find his wallet. And on his wallet, you found the rhyme that was going to lead you to where... Half the rhyme. Half the rhyme, that's right. Half the rhyme that was going to lead you to the sanctuary. Yeah. So eventually you guys did manage to get to a point where you realized that this woman was not the sister. She was an employee of Abdul Haq. And for the entire time there was a little invisible imp who was hanging around observing everything again through some good role playing and stuff like this you you found out that this girl was she couldn't go back to abdul haq empty-handed and she had no idea that you'd found the wallet because this was another thing where i whispered to you that you found this wallet and mm. none of the other characters were aware of it and i at a couple points i'd asked you outright you know what are you going to do and I didn't mention that you'd found anything. I was just asking you because I expected you were going to do something, but you didn't. And then this is one of those points where I was like, oh, okay, DM, shut up. They're role-playing here. Just let them do it. Because eventually this woman is concerned and it works to your advantage that she has no idea that you found the wallet. And she's like, I can't go back empty-handed. He'll kill me if I come back empty-handed. He's got the other half of this rhyme. So you learn all of this stuff and eventually you guys are, okay, well, how do we get the hell out of this place and stay not have this imp observe us. So again, along comes the coffin that you guys purchased. 
Yeah, what a good investment that was. Yeah. So you hide her inside the coffin. And at one point, you try to engage her to become part of the party to do something. But she's, she won't have any of that. She's just like, just get me out of here and then I'll, I'll do this on my own. But she's not going to go back to Abdul Haq empty-handed. So she's basically going to flee. So you help her escape. And I think at one point, too, you guys actually do find the imp and you manage to kill the imp. So it, it no longer is able to report back to Abdul Haq. At that point, you have also got... Oh, in the coffin is the body of the scholar and her. You put both of them in the coffin because mm. you need to take the body to a temple in order to get a priest to cash speak with the dead on it so that you can find out more about what the hell. Like, why did he die? So eventually you do. You leave the, the woman. She takes off. And you guys get the body to a temple. And you cast speak with the dead. And it tells you about the growling sanctuary. It tells you about the poem. And that's pretty much it. Apart from Saida. Yep. So at this point, you guys are screwed. You go to try to find the sanctuary. No, no. Prior to that, there was a large robot dude standing at the front door. Oh, shit, yes. This, okay, this was the introduction of Saber. That's right, because at this point, by the time you guys got into the mortuary, the barbarian Asher was no longer in the picture. He had disappeared for whatever reason. Yeah, and so this was the introduction of Saber. And so he arrives. Karima had sent him bashes through the door, the front door. And, of course, you guys want to stage the scene, but you can't replace the door to stage the scene when you guys are exiting to look like, again, to avoid leaving something that the CSI unit could trace back to you guys. But you did, you do clean up. You do try to clean up the place. And yeah. I think as well, you, you robbed the place blind as well. Whatever wasn't bolted down is worth something you took. We took. And we find out, yep, we leave. They speak with the dead, and we find out where the sanctuary is. Yep. And so you guys go to try and then to we find go it. Back to the tent. Yes, you go back to the tent. I think you guys leveled up at this point and stuff like this. You get ready. And then you guys go out, I think, the next day to go into the sanctuary. Except Elrum had an issue that night. Yes, that's right. So that first night, all of a sudden, Elbrum encounters Silhouette Starfire. <laughs> Who I've, I've abbreviated to the SS. <laughs> That's probably inappropriate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no oh, doubt. Yeah, oh, the SS is here. <laughs> he is coming to get you. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. In order to do this too, you guys needed to to get into the river. You needed to... So Saber could go no problem. I think he goes and he checks and he finds an entrance. But you guys need to go and get in. And this is the, the part where the princess purchases three scrolls of water breathing and you are going to spend 12 hours trying to convert a water breathing spell into sand breathing. And while you're doing this, you guys are attacked. This is because at one point, the princess Karima comes to you guys while you guys are staying at the tent and lets you know that the woman you found at the mortuary, she was found dead. Her chest had been torn open and... The Princess Karima, she'd come to let you guys know about this. And what you guys didn't know is she'd picked up the necklace that this woman was carrying. Because when you were doing your convert water breathing to sand breathing spell, while that was happening, the Princess Karima was with you. And this is where you guys finally, you find out that this stupid necklace is like a GPS unit for the mummies. 
and the mummy comes looking for following the trail of this necklace and she finds you guys and there was like three ghasts with her and the mummy big battle ensues on the rooftops in this hidden place that the princess cream had brought you guys to and oh i think there was a couple people that died but it was just i think oraki was like oraki and the princess were like the last two standing but you managed to kill off the ghasts and the mummy and then basically heal everybody back up. At which point you, of course, managed to successfully do your arcana checks in order to do the conversion. And now you have a sand breathing spell, which is going to get you down into the sanctuary. So you guys get into the sanctuary. Eventually you find that there's one part of the sanctuary you find and you go in there and it was trapped. And there was this big thing about how do we get down there and someone, Elbrum has this idea and he he has one of these... Um, amulet that turns into a tree and i have no idea the, the thoughts behind that but you guys throw the amulet into the river the tree bursts forth and then it starts to move down the river as the river flows the, the river of sand and i was just like wow that, that was not sure what that was <laughs> but it totally didn't work and you guys then eventually managed to get down you trigger the trap i think saber and oraki get trapped inside this room you guys are on the other side. Somewhere before this, we actually went to a Crimson Nib store, though. Probably. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. Well, in fact, too, right, you... Because you needed to buy some armor for Oraki. But ultimately, you... At one point, you guys had to go and visit Abdul Haq. Because the entrance that you found was not right. So you needed the rest of the rhyme. And you negotiated with Abdul Haq for the rest of the rhyme, where he would get part of the treasure... Elbrum let slip something about, oh, yeah, you can keep the treasure. We just want the power items. And it was like his Freudian slip, and Calidus was like, Elbrum, shut up. Anyways, Abdul Haq gave you the other part of the rhyme. He sent a couple of his colleagues to go with you. Onka was one of the ones who went down with you guys. And you went into the second area, into the sanctuary. Yeah. And you guys got attacked numerous times. People were dying. You encountered some mummies. You found a bunch more of these stupid necklaces. At which point, Abdul Haq wanted one of the bodies of these clockwork mummies. So you filled up the body cavity with like five of these calling cat necklaces and you sent it to Abdul Haq. Which becomes really relevant later on in one of our stories because those bloody calling cats is what caused the mummies to arrive at Abdul Haq's place. I've got 25 pages of notes. So 11, 11 point font. Just what I type while we're playing. And a day takes... Anywhere from a one line to two pages of notes. And when we do this now, it all just rolls together as a hectic week. Like it, it does. It literally is. Oh, a, a hectic week. Yes, absolutely. It is a jammed in hectic week of doing stuff. Yeah, because at the end, we've said that numerous times before that you've only like been doing four months stuff, and yeah. it's been just been one week. I think yeah. game time now, we're at maybe three weeks of game time. Yeah. And this is like, Full on every single day. Like there has not been a, a breath that you take in this whole string of chaos that's running through. But when you try and remember it after, like sit down now and the first, what's the first date that I've got? October? Yeah, first day September. of September 28th. Yeah, 28th of September. So it's been six months, nine months. Yeah, nine months. You look at that and you think, you know, it's just such a long time ago to remember what has gone on slam it into this context and if i rewrite my notes to 
figure out what was important. I'm sure I could take it down to like two pages. This is what we did and this is what we need to be aware of. These are the connections between the people. And the connections don't become, the connections and what's happening doesn't actually become apparent until you do something like this. You do this massive recap and you go back and look at it and go, yeah, all the things that I thought were important. Well, no, I didn't think all the notes that I took, you just go, yeah, just, it's notes. And it's not until event occurs later on that you look at it and see the connection and then can throw out a whole pile of stuff that's just fluff over the top of it. And the thing is for me, like over the last couple of months as I've been doing the podcast and editing this stuff and putting it up, yeah, it becomes fresher to me because I've had to go through that editing process because mm. it'd be the same thing trying to remember without having done that editing because it's like, oh, here are some moments during that session that stuck out so I can remember those moments and things like that. So it's more fresh from my point of view, especially up to this point because, I mean, we've just, in terms of where we are in terms of the podcast, you guys are just now at when you guys went to the pyramid. Yeah. Yeah which we didn't even get around to here. But the point is, is yes, it's been a hectic week. And when I sit back and I look back at the time, game time that's passed, I mean, the thing is, the Grimalkan Eye, that the mummies were chasing after the Grimalkan Eye, all of these elements tied together. And they all were sequential. So it seems like a really hectic week, but the whole process of looking for that jewel at the beginning was a starting point on a much larger a bunch of things that were going on. It's interesting too that the mummies are looking for it, but in the whole, the grand scheme of things, over the three weeks, you look at it and go, they've popped up once. Like the mummies chasing the eye have popped up once. Yeah, but you hear about them all the time. Yeah, like it pops up at the, at the when we killed off Hakan. That's when it That's where you first heard about the, the and sisters. Then, and now they pop up again. And in timing terms, in, in lifetime timing terms, they pop up again six months later and you go yeah they popped up again and the connection yeah. between them looking when you look at it now there is no connection between them hunting the eye and the fact that they've trashed abdul hack's place they just they were in there and that was only because that's where the the sending stones were or not the sending stones the, the calling cats the calling cats were yep there's no connection between the two that's the connection that you draw well i mean there's it's... lots of things in it that don't that don't that are so far apart yep. that it just doesn't hang together. Not until you, you try re- and slam it into this, rehash. not until you try and compress yeah. it back into a three-week yeah. context. Well, I mean, the thing is, uh, too, is like context. A, a few sessions ago when you're debating about the Abdul Haq thing, about did Abdul Haq kidnap Princess Karima, and you're asking Mehmet, and Mehmet was like, well, why would he do that? He's normally, we know who Abdul Haq is because we've been watching him for a long time, but he's never done anything out and out illegal that we could nab him on. So just him kidnapping just seems like a huge break in pattern. Why would he do that? And that was when one of you guys did enough of a history remembering that you're like, oh shit, we sent him that body full of calling cats. Hmm. We might have caused this. We, we haven't made that connection though. Not really, because at the moment you're like, oh, is that a possibility? But it was enough of a, but it, but even it was enough we, of a thing to go to yeah. his house to look. Yeah, but, well, we went to his house to look because that's where the the story was that he kidnapped her because he wanted her and she wouldn't have him. Well, you, you didn't know. So it was, you guys were like, where we were given, where did the princess Karima go? So you'd strongly get for nothing. Like, well, let's go check it out. He might be there. It was. And and that was based on that, on the private eyes investigation. Yep. Cause he was, was that he, you hired, but it is just such a, I guess the point I'm making is that it's, 
if, if you're not heavy going in it. And for me, it, it's it all makes sense because, of course, I'm running the story. But for you guys, without doing rehashes, you're just sit there looking and and wondering, shit, how does this tie together? Yeah, and I think it is because the bits that for, for us to determine the bits that are important is is challenging because we don't. You don't go over your notes. Yeah, well, well, we don't remember. I don't think it's as simple as going over your notes. That's the other issue. We, I'm at 25 pages now to read 25 pages every week to to rehash it. That's a bit hard, well, mate. No, nobody does it. And looking for that, looking for the keys, the bits that tie it together. Mm. So I look at this now, and if I went through with a highlighter and get, got all the bits that... I could tie together now. I wonder what it would look like in another six months' time. Mm. Would the same things be highlighted? Would the connections I've made be the the correct connections? There are a few things in there that were that seemed insignificant at the time. Mm. They were actually critical. Yeah, this is one of those things where, at the end of the day, we haven't discussed. But the next on the next day on the next episode that we did, one of the things is that Daryl and the box disappear on the same day. And it's like, and I'm looking at it now and going, hang on a minute, I never twig. Did Daryl steal the box? I mean, you, if I'd picked up on it then, I could have made that connection that he stole the box to go off and do something. Or they may be just totally unrelated. But just that, the fact that I see it now, yep. then offers up that, oppor- that, that possibility. And you go, oh, hang on, is that a connection? Do you sit on that or highlight it and wait for it to actually get fulfilled later on? You know, it's a year down the track and we finally find out what happened to Daryl and then we finally find out what happened to the box. Did it all tie together? Mm. Yeah. I think there's lots of situations like that yep. where you don't find it until well, six months after the event. And it depends and on if your you haven't, decisions if you haven't, too. And yeah, and if you hadn't sort of, if you don't remember it, if you haven't got it yeah, sorted out back then, yeah, it's a... Well, I can say this. When you guys decided to go and to the pool of blood, there was a moment where you're were, you were going there and you needed to find Lieutenant Mehmet before you headed off. You found Lieutenant Mehmet and he was like... Oh, yeah, I haven't. where's the princess? Mm. She hasn't gotten back to me. Which is when you went and hired the detective because you decided that, okay, the princess was less important than the pool of blood because the pool of blood, there's political ties to this and the pilot court, etc. So you guys went off to do that, but... The thing is for me is that if you guys had elected to chase after the the princess at that time, the story that you're currently on right now would be completely different. Yeah, yeah. So to me, the the, the main thing is, is like the way I look at it when I thought about this campaign is that the main theme of the campaign is the Tuscali incursion and what Mm. does that mean? So for me, certain things in game time are occurring and... The things that you guys do, do they affect that game time or not? Yes, of course, they'll affect that game yeah. time or not. But it's really up to you guys and the threads that you choose. Like when I put that before you, I, I love those moments where I was just like, do you do this or do you do this? I love that recent moment where Akmena smacks Onka because he doesn't know who the hell Onka is. Yeah. And then Oraki rises and is like, holy shit, it's Onka. And <laughs> it's like, Oh, do I help Akmenis or do I go help Onka? And he's right there at the 10 feet over there is Akmenis. 15 feet over there is Onka. He's like, you could see the decision. He's like, what do I do? What do I do? It took him, you know, a few seconds to make a decision. But 
that's the point. I like being able to put those in because at the end of the day, your decisions will affect and they do have effect, mm. but there's I also stuff going on way, way, way up here, which you guys aren't involved with yet. And for example, I yeah. will say that your discussions, those point what's going on with the military and eventually Kalen's interest in that and his questions to Lieutenant Mehmet and learning about the warlord Rikar mm. and what his guerrilla tactics, Yeah, those are elements the... that are tied to what's going on here. And, in, and when you put that in the context of game and playing time, just that comment, that one small conversation that lasted for a minute or two, then becomes a, a single sentence in a page of notes. And it's not until months later that it goes, hang on a minute, that was a critical piece of information. And if you haven't got that, then it becomes a problem, which, which actually makes the, the task of managing the game incredibly difficult because with the people that come and go... yeah and not having the knowledge of what has happened. Well, this is brilliant. Like, is, you can see is... this very clearly with Kalen, with Akmenis, and with Odvik. You guys were very, very familiar with... Who was it? It wasn't Onka. It was someone else. And the whole Grimalkan Eye thing. And you guys just glossed over that. And they're like, what? What is this? What are you guys talking about? How is this? And then from your guys' point, you're just, let's let's move on. Let's move on in the game. But these guys are like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and that, absolutely. And, 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 and so you now get to the situation of saying, we've been there since the start. We have the notes since the start. These people appear and we pass them the information that we think is relevant. Hmm. And so let's, if we consider the, the Rykar scenario, Rykar's out there, it becomes you know the one sentence on page 93. And six months later, there are two people that are left and we don't mention to them the Rykar thing yeah, yeah. Because he don't, they don't know, and then we sort of go, oh, yeah, 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 we remember that. The backgrounding that we give to the new people as they come on then becomes challenging. Well, it, it's And been... what we pick as being important that we tell them about may not be important at all, and what we leave out could be critical. And this is why a central repository of your notes, like what Elbram was trying to set up yeah, I see the difficulty. Important. I see the difficulty of that being that I didn't realize that there was 25 pages of notes. So you want to and play the game? You want to play the game? Here's 25 pages of my badly written notes. Try to make sense of it. Try and make sense of it and read through it. And you would give up by the time you got to the end of the first page. Well, and in, it, there, there's it, something it, it to be said. It doesn't flow. Mm. It doesn't have a story. It's a series of grade three sentences about we did this, we did that, we did this, we did that. There's no... It doesn't flow. And yeah. this is the same thing. Like, and so that makes it... Re and, and if you were to make it flow, the 25 pages would become 125 pages. And then you've got a, a newcomer coming in and saying, and if you want to know what happened, here's 125 pages worth of light reading. And who are they going to read that? And yep. who's going to read it? It's just nonsensical notes. That it's impossible to read. Well, like, it's exactly the same. Even if you made it so that it was readable or legible, or who's going to read 125 pages? In the session where I'm a player, it was the exact same thing bringing me in as a new player to take over for another one that's moving on. Yeah. They're on this island. And so, okay, how do we get on the island? The DM worked out a way for me to get on the island because it's just an island in the middle of the sea. Why the fuck am I there? Well, we, we figured out that I was flying overhead on an airship heading to another part of the continent. And the air elemental that is used to keep the ship afloat breaks free. Hmm. Ship crashes. I basically fall, I grab one of these, these life rings that have the yep. feather fall spell on it. So I float down and I land on, I crash on the island. 
lose everything. I've just got my backpack on and that's it. And here I am, a level four character with all these other guys. And I'm just like, for me, I want off the island. How the hell do I get off this island? And these guys are like, they're trying to finish this quest on this island. And I'm just like, well, who, who are you guys? How the hell do we get off? How the hell do we get off? Can we get off this island? Why are we doing this? Who's the dryad you guys keep talking about? So I'm just questioning, questioning, questioning. And it's really interesting because one guy who just left, he's just, let's just play. I don't, don't ask me these other questions. These other two guys, they're really getting into the role playing. They're enjoying this business. of. Mm. So at one point they're like, you're from Drome? Why the hell are you from Drome? Which part of the war are you, which side of the war are you on? And so they start asking me this question. <laughs> and we had a good half hour of role playing just about what is my interest? What is your interest? Who the hell are you in terms of should we accept you as being part of our party type thing? Yeah, and or it was just a lot tie of you fun. up to a tree and let the dryad come and eat yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That's just it. Exactly the point of you drop in, you're fresh to the story. I mean, realistically, as a DM, I don't mind if you guys go and just be like, role play it up, have fun. Talk think, about the yeah, backstory. I, I think my issue is, it, it, my issue, well, I think the problem that I see is not about the role-playing and having fun. and it, it, it is about the transfer of information. That's where it becomes. But how else do you do it? Because I'm not going to go and read someone's oh, no. 25 no, no. pages of I know. Yeah, and there's no expectation to it. And, and then it becomes the, if, that's what I'm saying, from a, a management point of view, from the person that runs the game that has been there since day one, as the players come and go, there is this problem of how do you deal with yeah. the fact that they don't have the information and it the hasn't been is... transferred. And if Elbram and I disappear, yep. then you look at this... Those central threads and going back to the to yeah. deal with the Grimalkin idol, We've only that, just, that thread like, is just gone. Eight or ten pages into the notes, eight pages into the notes. We've been playing for two months, three months, and we've lost the, we haven't lost the two... You lost Asher the Barbarian, lost and, Asher the Barbarian. and you just at the point of losing the two yeah. elves. Yeah, so three of the five have disappeared, are about to disappear, and that's the first half of the story has just gone out the window in terms of knowledge. If Elbram and I disappear, then the only knowledge that they will have is the stuff that they found out since they joined. And the thing is, Oraki joined shortly after Sabre yeah. joined, so she was and, there and, as you guys were entering in the, in the sanctuary, but yeah. it was so she funny. She nothing prior to that. Well, yeah, she didn't know about the Grimalkin Eye at all. Now, she's been listening to the podcast, but the funny thing is, is it was when Akmenis and, and Odvik and Kaelin were like asking, all of a sudden this business about the Grimalkin Eye came up and they're like, who the hell's that? And Oraki's just like, yeah, by the way, who the hell is that? Because <laughs> he's like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And, I mean, she was just playing along and she, she caught up with a bit because she does listen to the podcast, so she is aware. But in terms of her character, when she came involved in the scenario, she came in as she arrived at your guys' refugee tent because she had a vision that led her to you guys. And she's kind of been egging that vision about the bloody... And the other thing about that too is that where the Grimalkan eye and the idol was important, it's now not important. Like, it's, yes, it's a central thread to it, and this is what we were doing, mm. and this is what we have been doing, and it is what will take us back to the Growling Sanctuary if we ever go back. But in terms of the other players, it's like, Grimalk and I, we don't care. They're more about, from their point of view, things like going to the Blood Lake. They were there when that came into play. That's what they, wanted. That's what they will go and do. It's interesting that the, the whole story can just disappear off the face of the earth the Toscali invasion that was so important right at the start. Well, and that's the only thread that links, probably, when you bring in new p players, that's the only thread yeah. that links everybody together. But, it, but even now, the Tos in order for the Toscali invasion to be important, 
the Tuscala have to keep appearing. And if they don't keep appearing, it doesn't then, then, it, do, then right. it doesn't work. And that's and, why and they so do you keep look appearing. At, yeah. And yeah. so part of the job, part of, the job of, of running it is about making sure that every month or two, we trot out a Toscali event. And it just any event, we have to trot out the Toscali event. And that's so the, that that remains yeah. the main thing. Yeah. Even in the pool of blood scenario, like yeah. this was another bit where you guys were having a conversation about this and... Part of your conversation led to the point where I initiated a private conversation with Kaylin because I was like, this conversation is reminding you, it triggers a memory flashback of you, at which point you were thinking, hey, the hell, is this all of a sudden our conversations that we have during our podcast is now becoming real? And you you were like, oh, so the, the, the Tuscali aren't bad after all, and the people are turning into Tuscali, and based on what I told Kaylin... It seemed to solidify that. So, <laughs> and I mean, that's just it. For me, it's important. Like, okay, this is the central theme, but how do you engage and bring these people in? And I do what I can, but ultimately as well, it's, it's up to you guys and as well. And there must well. be a point at which you have to throw things out. So the, Oh, the, for sure. So for sure. If we look at the Grimalkan Eye, which was there on day one, yep. the idol hasn't been found. The, Not yet. The nope. only two people are aware that that's sort of what we signed up to do and to go and find it. Yep. Is you, it and, has, you and Elbrum. Elbrum. Yep. It hasn't come back. Like we haven't been although, reminded to go and get it, go and get al- it, go although and get it. Although part of it is is your apartment was the obligation, the onus of doing something is because your apartment was only given to you from the Princess Karima. Yeah. And you haven't gotten to this point, but I will let you know, is that when you do get back to your apartment, you're going to find there's going to be a letter there. <laughs> saying, where's the Grimalk and I? No, there's going to be a letter there saying, hey, you guys haven't paid yet. Where's my money? Because who handles the payments? The payments for what? Your apartment. We were under the impression we were given the apartment, implying. Yep, but someone had to have oh, done well, that, right? And yeah. where is she? Yeah, well. So if she's question. not there to make payments, who the hell's paying? So all of a sudden, well, uh, that's uh, the point. Uh, if, uh, if Princess uh, Crema uh, disappears, all of a sudden, what's going to happen to your guys' apartment? Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> from my point of view. I'm sitting there assuming that the apartment is not rented. Yep. But that exactly. Apart- I'm assuming the apartment is owned by her. And you'll find out. So, and so we walk in the door and find out, damn it, she's just renting the damn thing. <laughs> we, we thought she owned it. Yep. Yeah, and that she gave it to us. Yep. So to me, this, this is just it. Um, like I mean, the, and yeah, that, 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 I, that I get to have fun about how do I relate some of the story elements together? Like why is the Princess Karima important? And all of a sudden, you got these three new people, and they're like, holy shit, what? The person who gave us the apartment? This one that we, we, we were supposed to rescue that we forgot about? Oh, shit. We don't got a place to live anymore? And what happened I don't to your think ref- that's going to actually matter to us. And what much. happened to your refugee tent in the meantime? I've, I've actually got another plan in terms of survival and where we live, which dawned on me just today. And my alternate plan is I just move into the hunt. <laughs> all right. Anyways... I think this is a moment where we can close it off as time has run away from us. So until next week, guys, what's my closing statement? Until next week, catch you then. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it. And I'll be back in just one week.